and welcome to this week's Parsha class, the lecture. Now, um, the title is Rebuilding Jerusalem. And as always, we start with a modern day issue. And from there, we'll go into the mystical insights and then we'll wrap it up back to making it practical and modern day. So the modern day issue I'd like to deal with today is called The Descent. Now, our sages teach us over and over again the famous ruling, Yerida Letzoyrech Aliyah. The descent is for the need of the ascent. Now, every pain, every suffering, and every destruction is but the groundbreaking to a, and I quote to you a verse from Haggai that we'll be talking about today, greater will be this house than the first house. Yet, the destruction hurts. It hurts terribly to the point of the promise that an, an ascent is evolving is so distant, not affording us any consolation, comfort, or empowerment at all. Just this Thursday, yesterday, we mourned over the destruction of the Holy Temples and Jerusalem and an exile that has been lasting for almost 2,000 years. An exile of persecution, exterminations, humiliation. God, how are we to survive this all? This lecture is based primarily on two memoriam, two mystical teachings the Rebbe delivered, one on last Shabbos and one on this Shabbos in 1969, exploring the spiritual dimension of consolation that God is giving us in our mourning over the destruction over the first and second temple. A little introduction. Let's have an introduction about the two temples and their destructions. So Wednesday night and Thursday, July 29th and 30th of 2020, was the ninth day of the month of Menachem Av in the Hebrew calendar and is known as Tisha B'Av, the day on which both the first holy temple in the year 568 BCE and in the second holy temple in the year 70 ACE were destroyed. The holy temple is defined by the verse, and it, it's, I'm sorry, the and um, well, the holy temple is defined by the verse in Exodus. It says, They should make a sanctuary for me, and I will dwell within them. Kabbalah and Hasidus explain the exact nature of which dimension of God's presence dwelled within each of the two holy temples. By understanding the exact nature of the holy the two holy temples, we will understand the exact gravity of their destruction the great depths of the consolations, and then the exact dynamic of the third and final temple, may it be built imminently. Amen. Okay, the verses in Psalms, there's two verses, we say it in our daily prayers, and it goes like this. God is the builder of Jerusalem. He will gather the outcasts of Israel, who heals the brokenhearted, and binds up their wounds. Now, upon these verses, our sages teach us, and I'm going to quote to you the teaching. It's a play of words, and the primary word here is Aryeh Ariel. Watch. Said Rav, famous, famous uh, sage in the times of the Talmud, arose Aryeh, the lion, in Mazal Aryeh, in the constellation of Leo, and destroyed Ariel. Ariel literally means Lion of God, and it refers to the Holy Temple. Then he goes on to say the teaching, Arose Ariel, the Lion arose, this refers to the Roman Emperor Nebuchadnezzar number two. As the verse states, he brings a proof from a verse in Jeremiah, a lion has come up from his thicket. The words in Mazal Aryeh, in the constellation of Aryeh, as it states, until the exile, another verse in Jeremiah, until the exile of Jerusalem in the fifth month. 
Now, the fifth month of the Jewish calendar called Menachem of is Leo. And destroyed Ariel, this refers to a verse in Isaiah, the holy temple, Jerusalem, in which it says, Woe, Ariel, Ariel, the city wherein David encamped. And then the teaching goes on and says, All of this was in order for a lion to come in Leo and build Ariel. And it explains, a lion will come, this is God. As it states in Amos, a lion roars, who will not be afraid? Referring to God. In the sign of Leon, of lion, as we already explained, that that's the fifth month. But how do we know that that's when the redemption is? So a verse in Jeremiah that says, then shall, and goes on and says, and I will turn their mourning into joy and will build Ariel. This refers to Jerusalem and the Holy Temple as the verse, our verse, which we quoted, God is the builder of Jerusalem. He will gather the outcasts of Israel. So the interesting point of this teaching of our sages from the Yalkut Shemoni, it actually points out that the redemption, the most important part is rebuilding Jerusalem. It doesn't talk about the Holy Temple. It refers to Jerusalem. Now, the reason for this is, what is the deeper insight to this? The reason for this is that concerning the destruction, we say in our Musaf services of the holidays, because of our sins, have we been exiled from our land. Now, our sins is simply an outcome of a lacking in our fearing God, Yirat Shamayim. Now, the mystical interpretation of the name Jerusalem is that it's made up of two words, Yira Sholem. In Kabbalah, the word Yira here refers to awe, fear of God. Shalem means whole and complete. Thus, it is through the rebuilding of Jerusalem, having a complete and healthy true fear of God, that we will have a complete redemption from exile. Thus, we talk about the rebuilding of Jerusalem, meaning the fear of God, meaning no more sinning, meaning we won't be exiled from our land, we'll be brought back to our land. One more introduction. Rebuilding Jerusalem and healing the broken heart. So additionally, we need to understand why the verses in Psalms that I read to you mentioned above connect the rebuilding of Jerusalem with a healing of the broken heart. What is that all about? And now let us begin the lecture. As you know, I'll always list to you the different mystical concepts that we're going to talk about, and then we'll go through each one, and then we'll bring it back to the practical. Okay, number one, historical facts about temple number one and temple number two. Number two, the mystical interpretation of these facts. Number three, the service of the two temples. Number four, the third temple. Number five, healing the broken heart. And finally, number six, what is the secret to Shabbat Nachamu? This Shabbat is called Nachamu, consolation, as we will see. Okay, let the amazement of Hasidus begin. So here are some historical facts about temple number one and temple number two. Our sages tell us in the Talmud that there were five things that were present in the first temple that was missing in the second temple. And now I quote, and these are, the Ark of the Covenant, the Ark cover, which was upon it, and the cherubs that were on the Ark cover, fire, which refers to the heavenly fire that descended from heaven upon the altar, and it's called the lion. It was consistently pouncing up and down as a lion. The divine, the divine presence in the Holy Temple, and the divine spirit, Ruach HaKodesh, which refers to the spirit upon the prophets. And he then goes on to say the Urim Vitumim. The Urim Vitumim was this mystical parchment with the name of God written and placed within the breastplate of the high priest, which brought about prophetic answers through the breastplate of the high priest, the Kohen Gadol. I want to just note to you that Rashi clearly states, because if you listen to what I just said, there was more than five. So he says very simply, 
all the parts of the ark that it lists separately, the ark, the cover, the cherubs, were all counted as one. I also want to point out that in another place in the Talmud, it also mentions another three things that was hidden by Josiah, King Josiah, together with the Holy Ark. And when he saw the oncoming destruction, he hid the Holy Ark, he hid the jar of manna, he hid Aaron's staff, which is mentioned in the Book of Numbers, the miraculous staff that sprouted almonds. And he also listed over there, he hid the jar of the oil that was used for anointment. Nevertheless, the Talmud here is only listing that which was used in services because that's what the Talmud is mainly focusing on. Okay, so it seems to be very clearly that the first temple was far greater than the second temple. The second temple were missing very important elements of the temple. Nevertheless, the prophet Haggai says in chapter 2 verse 9, the glory of this last house shall be greater than the first house, said the Lord of hosts. Now, our sages in the Talmud and Baba Basra explain the verse to be speaking of the second temple in relationship to the first temple. In the Talmud there, it explains the verse. What does it mean by this will be greater, the glory will be greater? It, it explains it physically. Over there, it's talking about the definition of the walls and it talks about that the walls of the second temple were far higher and taller than the first temple. In other places, it talks about because the next verse of Haggai goes on to say, and this place I will grant peace. So therefore, they say it refers to the longevity. The second, the second temple stood longer. It stood for 420 years than the first temple, which only stood for 410 years. Thus, the glory was greater. It was 10 years more. However, there is the mystical interpretation of the greatness of the second temple over the first temple with the teaching of the Talmud that a person would rather have only one measurement of his own earned by himself rather than nine measurements of his friend given to him as a gift. Now, what is the connection that the Kabbalah and Hasidists do between this teaching in the Talmud to the teaching that the second temple was greater than the first temple? And the answer is that the first great temple was of greater measurements, right? We spoke about the, the major things that was there that it didn't have in the second temple. And it had the five things that we talk about that were missing. However, the first temple was a gift from above the one that was built by King Solomon, while the second temple was man-made from below. What does this mean? They were both man-made. King Solomon's a man. We're talking about the mystical dimension. Let us understand. The first temple was the manifestation of Torah and mitzvot that were given to us from God above. However, after the first temple was destroyed because of our not serving the Torah and mitzvot, observing it, the tikkun, the correction for the destruction of the first temple, which became the service of the second temple, was the service of teshuvah. Now, the service of teshuvah, repentance, unlike the service of Torah study and mitzvah observance, is the service that comes from below, from us, our brokenness over our sins, and are wanting to return and be close to God. Thus, even though the second temple was less perfect than the first in its lacking, however, it was more precious than the first. And this is the mystical meaning behind the verse stating that the second temple was greater than the first. It was more precious because it was that which we earned through the service from below Teshuva. The mystical con this mystical concept is also evident in that the first temple is called Yerushalayim Shelmala, Jerusalem of above, the spiritual Jerusalem in heaven, while the second temple is called Jerusalem Yerushalayim Shelmata, Jerusalem of below, the physical Jerusalem here on earth. We will later return to this with a deeper and clearer understanding between the two. 
Let's go on to the next concept, the mystical interpretation of the facts, the five missing. What is the five things that were missing on a mystical level? So the five things, let's see where we learn it out of. We also learn this out of a verse in Haggai, chapter 1, verse 8, and it says as follows, and build a house and I will accept it and I will be honored, said the Lord. Now, in the Hebrew text, the word for honor, I will be honored, it says in the verse, ve'echabed. Now, we read it, not ve'echabed, but ve'echabda. So it's written missing the last hey, while it's pronounced in tradition as having the last hey. And God is talking about building the second, the second temple. Thus, our sages extrapolate from this that there was a hey. The numerical value of the Hebrew letter hey is five. There was hey missing. Five things were missing. Now, in Kabbalah, we're not looking at the numerology of the letter hey. We're looking at the letter hey itself. God's name has four letters. The ineffable tetragrammaton has four letters. Yud, hey, vav, hey. Now, our sages tell us to divide this, there's the first part, which is the unity between the yud and the hey, and there is the second part, which is the unity of the second letters, vav, hey. Okay, now, what does this mean? Let's talk about this. So, we are taught that it's through the unifications of these letters that divine sustenance, the source of life, the infinite light, flows into the lower worlds, our world. Let's understand this. So, there, the mystical interpretation of these four letters is Yud is, represents the highest emanation of wisdom. That's masculine. Then there is the hay, which is feminine, which is the emanation of understanding. The male is the giver. The female represents the, the feminine represents the receiver. And thus through the unification, there is the divinity flow from the wisdom, the infinite light within wisdom that gets transmitted to the recipient Bina. Now, understanding is the mother of emotions. The more we understand something, the more we have feelings for it, be it fear, be it love, attraction, whatever it may be. Now, so the next part is, again, male, female, giver, recipient. The vav, the sixth letter, represents the six male emotions. The second hey represents the recipient, the feminine mystique, which is called um, kingship. Thus, in Kabbalah, you have yud, wisdom, father, masculine, hey, understanding, feminine, mother. Then there's the offsprings through the unity of the wisdom and understanding, which is when we bring the wisdom into clear, tangible understanding which gives birth to the son and the daughter, the six male emotions and the feminine. Now, when the sixth male emotions, there's the unity with the hey, with the feminine, there is the transmission of the divinity from the vav into the hey, that gives us sustenance in this world. Why? Because according to Kabbalah, the hey, the kingship of the higher world is what descends and becomes the crown of the lower world. And thus it brings down divinity, life force, and sustenance. Now, this was very Kabbalistic, but let's see what the Kabbalistic implications is upon the Holy Temple. So the Holy Temple represents the house, the recipient. In there, there is a transmission, there is a divine presence. In the first holy temple, we had the temple itself was the higher hay, the first hay, the intellects, and there was the unity 
and transmission and divine presence of the highest of the intellects, the highest of the ten emanations, wisdom. Now, the second temple, after there was the destruction of the first temple, there's missing the hay, the echabeda, which is written as the echabed without the hay. According to Kabbalah, what this means is that we were missing the higher hay. Thus, the second temple only represented it being the lower hay, and thus in it shined only the vav, the six masculine emotions. Thus, in the first temple, we had intellects, the higher level of revelation, and in the second temple, we had emotions, which represents speech and action. Thus, in Kabbalah, the first temple, the unification of the yud the intellects, is all about the service of concentration upon the glory of God, and thus the person basks within the blissfulness of pleasure, of spirituality, connection to God, while the second temple, which is the Vovhe, represents speech and action, which is about the actual study of Torah and the observance of mitzvahs. Now, Torah study and mitzvahs observance is the, is the embodiment of obedience, which is driven by the simple experience of Yirat Shamayim, fear of heaven, healthy fear, of heaven, necessary fear of God. Thus, we now understand, according to Kabbalah, what does it mean that there was the hay in the first temple that was missing in the second temple. And that is that in the first temple, again, we had the higher hay, which we're going to say is the Jerusalem from above, which had within it the Yud, the highest levels of divine revelation of the infinite light, while the second temple, because it was only the lower hay, thus it was not able to absorb and receive from the Yud, the highest level, it was only able to receive from the Vav. Now, thus we have the higher temple, as I said, being Jerusalem of above, while the second temple is Jerusalem of below, which also leads us to understand why we talk about the building of Jerusalem, because again, Torah and mitzvot, study and observance, is really all about having a true fear of God. And nevertheless, after all understanding all of this, Haggai tells us you should know that the second temple is greater than the first temple. Why? If according to Kabbalah, we, we talk about the level of hay that was missing is precisely that there was greater glory, greater divine presence in the first temple. Why is Haggai saying that greater is the glory of the second temple? Now, I want to first point out something. The primary loss of the destruction of the two temples is not about the giver, obviously, but about the receiver. It's the receiver in the destruction when the unity separates, then what's happening is the receiver is not receiving. Thus, the receiver experiences a vast descent. Now, I want to also say something else. I want to share with you something else. The, within the two temples, the second temple was a far greater destruction than the first temple. Now, why is it so? So I share with you a verse from Job and how the Zohar explains it. The, the verse states, as the waters fail from the sea and the river decays and dries up. Yechrav v'yavesh. Now, the Zohar explains that decays refers to destruction of the destruction of the first temple. 
And dries up refers to the destruction of the second temple. And Kabbalah and Hasidus explains that dries up is far worse than decays because dries up denotes that there is absolutely no revelation of the infinite light at all. Now, there's also, we now understand the meaning of a different Talmudic teaching, and I quote you. And Rav Nachman said to Rabbi Yitzchak, what is the meaning of that which is written in Hosea? It is sacred in your midst, and I will not enter the city. What is that? What is the prophet saying here? The verse is puzzling. Because it is sacred in your midst, will God not enter the city? So Rabbi Yitzchak answered Rabbi Nachman, telling him what Rabbi Yochanan said and how this verse should be understood. And again, I quote, The Holy Blessed Be He said, in other texts it actually says he took an oath, I shall not enter Jerusalem above in heaven until I enter Jerusalem on earth below as the time of the redemption, when it will be sacred in your midst. Okay, now, as we explained earlier, the first temple, the higher hay of God Tetragrammaton, the first temple is called Jerusalem of above, while the second temple, the lower hay, is called Jerusalem of below. And from the oath that God stated, it is clear that the destruction of Jerusalem below the second temple is primary and upon its rebuilding depends the rebuilding of the Jerusalem of above. Why? Why? Again, the question, why? It seems to be clear that the Jerusalem of above, as it is spiritually and as it manifested itself physically in the times of King Solomon and the Holy Temple, was far greater and higher. So why should it be incumbent and dependent upon the lower? it should be reversed. Okay, let's talk about the services of the two temples. What does it mean in our service? Remember the teaching of Hasidus, everything, all the mystical teachings has to manifest itself in practical forms of service to God. So in accordance with what we explained about the first temple being the unity of the first two letters of God's name, the Yud and the higher He, the intellects of wisdom and understanding, and the second temple is the unification of the second, the last two letters of Vav and the lower He, the masculine and feminine emotions, we can better understand the different spiritual services that took place in each of the temples. Let's understand. The first temple, which is the service of intellects, is the service of concentration that emotionally binds one with God, this is what the Kabbalists, the great Tzaddikim, used to do. This is also what we said before, that the first temple was the service of the righteous, the Tzaddikim, which is the experience of blissful spiritual pleasure. The second temple is the service of speech and action, Vav Hey, the male emotions, the feminine emotions. It is the service of Torah study and mitzvot observance, which is the service of obedience, primarily driven by the experience of a fear of God, as we explained. This is what is important, is the rebuilding of Jerusalem, the whole fear of God, and the primary redemption through obedience and fear. This is only when this is first rebuilt, can there then be any rebuilding of having a blissful spiritual pleasure relationship with God. Parenthetically speaking, I want to digress. I want to get off my notes for a moment because it's so funny how today's psychology has seemed to, to mold us to be so afraid of fear as if that's a terrible thing. We should never teach our children to be afraid of God. We have to teach them to love God. No, the Torah gives us two commandments. One is, and you shall love God your God. And the other one is, and God your God you shall fear. There is healthy fear, levels upon levels in our relationship with God, which ultimately is what keeps us in observance of God's ways. Let's get back to my notes. Now, as we will see, the teshuva building of the destruction of the second temple is what ushers in the deepest and greatest of all, which is the third 
and final temple. Okay, let's talk about the next concept, which is the third temple. Even though we quoted the Talmud in saying that the verse in Haggai about this temple being greater than the first refers to the second temple over the first temple, nevertheless, we also find our sages interpreting the verse to be speaking of the third temple being greater than the first and the second temples. Now, I will share with you, before we go further again, I want to share with you that we explained, according to Kabbalah and Hasidus, that greater between the second over the first had to do with the haze within the name itself and how the lower hay is really where it's all about and that's what the higher hay is dependent about. Now I just want to give you a heads up that as we go into interpreting this verse to be talking about the third temple in relationship to both the first and second temple, that the third temple is greater, we're not going to focus on the two haze in the first name. We're rather going to focus on two different levels in the ineffable tetragrammaton itself. Let us see. So first of all, the fact that this verse is being taught to also refer to the third temple over the first and second, and not only the second being greater than the first, is also mystically found in the word of the verse. Now, what is that? The Pasuk says, Godol Yie, greater will be. Now, the word Yie has a very deep mystical meaning. We find it also in the verse that we sing at the end of Aleinu. What that verse means in that day, God's name, God will be one and his name will be one. What that mystically means, we're going to now understand in the secret of the Hebrew word, for will be ye yeah and what is ye yeah all about that god and his name will truly be one now the name ye is spelled yud hey yud hey we are taught that in the 13 attributes of mercy when it starts off you'll remember it from your yom kippur prayers with singing hashem hashem kerachom vechanon the first two words hashem Hashem. We say twice the ineffable tetragrammaton. Why? And the answer in Kabbalah is because there are actually two ineffable tetragrammatons. There is the lower Yudke Vavke and there is the higher Yudke Vavke. Now, the lower Yudke Vavke is actually attached and actually creates and embodies the system of evolution. In which from the infinite light, first there is a yud, contraction, then there is a hey in the lower ray, there's now an expansion, and then there's the vav in which the ray now descends to the lower realms, in which there is the lower hey, the expansion of the ray of the ray, which descended in the lower. Now, that, as we will see, is what Torah and mitzvot are all about. However, there's also the higher tetragrammaton. In the higher tetragrammaton, it is above and beyond the entire evolution system of definition and the logical evolution from the infinite light to the finite creature. And how is this expressed? It's expressed by being not yud hey vav hey, but yud hey yud hey. What does that mean? That means in the normal system, only the higher recipient can receive from the higher giver. The lower recipient cannot receive from the higher giver. It has to receive from the lower giver. Thus, there's the yud hey, contraction, vav hey. However, in the higher tetragrammaton, the same yud which gives and unites with the first higher hey is the same yud, not vav, yud, that unites and gives to the lower hay. Because in the face of the yud hay vav hay, which is what we call the essence name, it's not the name for the infinite light, it's the essence name. 
Thus, in the face of essence, everything, the finite, the infinite, the higher, the lower, the lights, the vessels, they're all equally naught. They all come from him. And thus, it is possible to have the Yud shine directly into the lower hay. Thus, when the verse says, Godol yie habayit hazeh, greater will be on a mystical level, this refers to the verse in the final redemption, the third temple that we sing every day in shul, bayomahu yie. And what does yie mean? Will be that Hashem echad ushmo echad, the essence, the name will be one because it's the yud that gives into the higher hay and the yud that gives into the lower hay, and thus everything is one. Okay, so this is now the understanding of how Kabbalah is going to explain that the verse of Haggai doesn't just go on the second temple being greater than the first temple, but that it goes on the third temple being greater than the first two temples, because the first two temples were both relating to the first and second part, the higher and lower part of God's name, the ineffable tetragrammaton, the lower ineffable tetragrammaton, while the third temple is talking about the higher tetragrammaton, the essence name. And thus, that is what will happen when Mashiach comes. So now I want to talk about what this means to us. So in the service, the lower tetragrammaton is the connection that we have with God through the defined system, logical system of intellects and emotions as prescribed in the Torah and mitzvot and we connect to it with the intellect and emotions of ours, our soul, through Torah study and through mitzvot observance. And through that, we unite and we draw down the divinities of the unity of the yud and the unity of the vav However, then there is the concept of teshuvah. Teshuvah does not come from the intellect and the emotions of the soul. Rather, it's a bursting forth of the essence of the soul that says, it makes no sense. I've walked away from my tradition in order to assimilate, in order to be able to become successful, to become one of the great McDonald's, McJoe's, American dreams. And now all of a sudden, I'm going to walk away from all of that and start praying in shul, start putting on tefillin, start keeping kosher, start identifying myself with a star of David. I've hid from all that all my life in this secular America for a purpose. And illogically, there is a bursting forth from the essence of the soul which doesn't deal with the intellect and the emotions. How can I? What will happen to me? But rather it charges forth from the essence of the soul. This teshuvah, which comes from the essence of the soul, doesn't connect us to the lower tetragrammaton in Torah and mitzvot. It connects us to the higher tetragrammaton, the Bayomahu the essence name. And because this now becomes an essence to essence relationship between God and the Jew and the Jew and God, thus there is no limitations. And the Yudke Vavke turns into a Yudke Yudke. And the essence of God fills my practical daily life of thought, speech, and action. Now, this is what it means that the third holy temple, which is the embodiment of Teshuva, is greater than both the first temple and the second temple. For number one, within the third temple, 
will exist the revelation of these of, within the third temple will exist the revelation of the first temple and the second temple that goes without say we're bringing back what we messed up but greater than all of that not only will there be the revelation of the yud and the vav of the lower tetragrammaton but rather there will be the ultimate revelation of the higher tetragrammaton the essence name not only will certain levels of the infinite light be present in the holy temple but in the physical holy temple below in the lower hay will be the ultimate essence of god yud hay yud hay higher tetragrammaton now thus it is through our service of teshuva throughout the exile of the destruction of because our sins have we be exiled from the, our land that we bring about the building of the third temple which will include within it the divine presence of the first temple and the second temple and even more it will have the divine presence of the higher tetragrammaton the yudhe yudhe the greater yia this house and now let's go on to the next concept i i, I posed a question that the Rebbe asked in the Mimer, what is the connection between the building of Jerusalem and the healing of a broken heart? Now we can understand what the connection is. Why? We explained that we're talking about the rebuilding of Jerusalem through the higher tetragrammaton, the essence name. And now, how is through that the concept of healing a broken heart? Now, concerning healing the sick, our sages says and it's a teaching teach us that the word for sick is chole chole is spelled chet vav lamed hey the numerology there is 8635 add it up and we have the numerical value of 49 what does this mean what does it mean that 49 equals being sick the meaning behind this is that through the working refining transforming and elevating the 49 aspects of our emotions why do we have 49 aspects of our emotions you remember in leaving egypt reaching mount sinai we had the spirit omer the counting wasn't the omer but there was a counting of preparation of the 49 days because that's called tikkun hamidot the absolute the fullest tikkun correction of our emotions is when we deal with all the details of each emotion in which every emotion is a compilation and complexity of all the other emotions so you have seven times seven which is 49. now as we go through the refining and the transformation and the elevation of our emotions on each level we open ourselves up to receive from the 49 gateways of understanding in kabbalah we talk about the 49 gateways what does that mean what that means is that each gateway of understanding remember what we spoke about before understanding is what gives birth to love thus when we open ourselves up by doing the tikkun hamidot we open ourselves up by each tikkun to a higher level until we reach the fullest capacity that we have which is to transform, refine, and elevate all 49 aspects of our emotions through which we open ourselves up to be able to perceive the 49 gateways of understanding, which gives us 49 levels higher and higher of love. Again, just want to get for a moment practical. What does it mean through Tikkun Midot? we open ourselves up so there's a saying among Siddim that goes like this. Don't eat medium rare steaks, suck on its bones, and then expect to understand the mystical teachings. What that means is if we allow our passion and our pleasure to descend and manifest itself in the self-centered, then you cannot expect to be able to be open and transparent to receive that of the theocentric. That's what it means here. Now let's get back to our concept. Why is 49 gateways of understanding called chole, sick? 
The answer is because there are 50 gateways of understanding. And the 50th gateway is the gateway in which God descended upon Mount Sinai and said, I am God, your God. However, the 50th gateway is beyond the capacity of the human being's refinement and transformation and elevation. We only have the capacity of 49. The 50th is no more the gateway to the revelations of the infinite light of God, but rather it's the gateway to the essence of God. What we call in Kabbalah, the interior, the dimension of the supernal crown, which is the essence of God. Thus, the verse in Exodus says, Ani Hashem Refoecha, I, higher in ineffable tetragrammaton, heal you. We understand why now. Because the 49 gateways is the working of the lower tetragrammaton. And that can only reach until the 49th, the cause and effect relationship. However, there is the 50th gateway, which after we do everything we can, comes the revelation of the essence name, the higher tetragrammaton, Ani Hashem, I, the higher ineffable tetragrammaton, Echa, heal you. Now we understand the connection in the verse. First, it talks about Bonei Yerushalayim, building Jerusalem, but the ultimate building of Jerusalem, which we said is through Teshuvah, which we said is through the higher tetragrammaton, thus will have the healing of the broken hearts. One more final concept, and then we wrap it up. This Shabbat is Shabbat Nachamu. What is the connection of all of this with Shabbat Nachamu? Nachamu means consoling. So, to understand this, let us just quickly go over this. This Shabbat is called Shabbat Nachamu because of the opening words of its Haftorah, which reads from Isaiah, console, console my people. Nachamu, Nachamu, Ami. And with this begins the seven consolations. What does that mean? The Haftorot of the Shabbatot, which will take us from the Shabbat after Tisha B'Av, the Shabbat, until the Shabbat before Rosh Hashanah, in seven weeks, they are called seven consolations. We're consistently reading the consolations that Isaiah gave us. Okay, all the different Haftarot talk about the consolations. Now, concerning the seven consolations, our sages, a great book called Avudraham, he says very interesting. He says, read the opening verses of the first couple of the seven consolations. And you will see that there is a conversation going on between God and the prophets about the Jewish people. Listen to how it works. I'm going to read you the first verse of one of Torah, the next of Torah, the next of Torah. So it works like this. It begins with God telling the prophets this week, console, console my people. So they go and they console the people. To which the children of Israel in the following weeks of Torah respond with a verse from Isaiah. And Zion said, the Lord has forsaken me and the Lord has forgotten me. God tells the prophets, go console them. They go console them and the Jews respond to the consolation coming through the prophets. God has forsaken me. Meaning that the children of Israel find no solace in consolations being brought to them through the prophets. The prophets in the half Torah number three, the week after, go back to God and report. And what do they report? The opening of that Torah is, O poor tempestuous one who, has n- who was not consoled. Meaning that they're telling God, the children of Israel are not being consoled by our message of consolations. In the week after that, number four, what's the opening verse there? God, upon hearing this, then on the following week, declares the opening verse, Anochi, Anochi, I, ye, I, am he who consoles you, meaning that the God, upon hearing that the children of Israel are not being consoled through the prophets, God himself, Anochi, Anochi, I, I, comes to console his children. 
Now, the power of teshuva is capable of fixing the system that was interrupted by sin because it itself, teshuva itself, as we explained, connects to a far superior level of God. The anochi, anochi, the essence name, the I, than that of the system of Torah the mitzvot, which is just a lower tetragrammaton. Thus, Mitzvot is based on the cause and effect as it is defined in the infinite will and the infinite wisdom of God, the lower tetragrammaton. However, Teshuvah connects us to the essence of God, the higher tetragrammaton, the I, ye, I, Anochi, Anochi. And thus the ultimate double consolation from God himself is the third holy temple in which he will, we will not only have the revelations of the first and second temples, the lower tetragrammaton, but also the revelation of I, ye, I, the higher, tetra, the higher tetragrammaton. Now we understand the conversation. The Jews after 2,000 years in exile, doing Teshuvah, doing Teshuvah, doing Teshuvah with self-sacrifice. And self-sacrifice doesn't mean dying for, for God only at the altar of fe in the Spanish Inquisition. It means for you and I on a business day to stop and to pray to God, Mincha, to eat kosher, to put on a kippah, whatever it may be at any moment, that is self-sacrifice. That we do for God. Thus, that is Teshuvah. Thus, we told the prophets, no way, no way. After 2,000 years, we don't want only the, once again, the revelation of the lower tetragrammaton. We won't be consoled by that. We only will be consoled by the Anochi, Anochi, the third temple, the essence name of God. And now, in closing. In closing, let us return to our modern day issue. It is a painful journey, a very painful journey through the descent. And as much as we can study and understand the divine order of the descent for the sake of ascent, and nevertheless, the pain and suffering is tangible. However, there is a clear and definite palatable experience all in suffering that what is that palatable experience that you and I physically experience that our extremities are being ripped away, opening a clear passageway into our interior, all the way into our essence. The journey to our essence is the ascent itself, for it is there that we will find the essence of God within us. Thus, this descent in where the intellect becomes unbearable to comprehend what we are going through today. The emotions, they're just not capable. And thus we get fine, we push deeper and deeper into ourselves, into our essence. That descent is the ascent. Because in our essence is where we'll find the essence of God. The journey, my dear friends, has been one close to 2,000 years long, and we have been taught that the journey has been completed. It is now time to open our eyes. What does that mean? What did the Rebbe mean when he said, open your eyes and you'll see Mashiach is here? God's hand is becoming more and more revealed to us. And yet, look at social media and you will see, we fight seeing it. How? by forcing ourselves to see only politics and corruptions at the helm, and that's why we're going through all of this, rather than God's hand at the helm. The journey is complete. The transformation is complete. Let us allow God to elevate us to the higher tetragrammaton, opening up for us His Jerusalem of above, giving it to us within our Jerusalem of below. Thank you.